think he is. You know who Tim is? Tim's oh, the he's one that, the best friend. The best friend. He's the yeah, one who he, actually saves humanity, right? Pretty much, right? Pretty much. If it wasn't for Tim, we would have been fucked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, there's a cop looking for you. You better move. Move it. Never knew that a guy with a mullet saved the world, dude. No, it is always the guy with the mullet that saves the world. Let us not forget <laughs> he saved, that. He saved some time, too, because he even pushed away the guy. He's like, hey, I think he was, he's over there. Okay. I didn't know you had a name, Tim. So let's uh, let's cheer Cheers for Tim. Tim. Thank you for saving the Cheers world. Cheers for Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Season 4 of Three and a Half Gentlemen, the podcast, where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis of movies for our private collections, and one of us tries desperately to keep up. We'll let you decide which host is which but for now traveling through time in a bubble of weirdness is me sean and my co-hosts jeremiah say hey, that's a nice bike <laughs> eddie hasta la vista baby and brandon i'll be back nice you got it look at them brandon could you be that was really cool i was gonna say get down i could have done that one or be like get to the chopper but that was not this movie i realized Get to the Jabba was not in this movie. It was Predator, that was isn't Predator. Predator. I think that, that we should Predator. do the whole podcast like this. Eddie, I want to hear your Arnold, please. <laughs> I think we'll lose many viewers. It's more like the Terminator. <laughs> no, Chill out. Get Tim, John Connor's friend. <laughs> All right. We're season four. We're picking movies that we'll think will be fun to talk about. Some of these movies will be from our private collection, while others will be from new releases or in theaters. As with every review we give, our goal is to answer one simple question. How many drinks does it take to get through the film that we just watched? Now, at the end of the podcast, we'll rate the movie based on a scale of zero to five. Zero being a perfect film that you can watch Stone Cold Sober. And five being sort of the film that makes you feel like a razor sharp blade of liquid metal just pierced your brain as you're drinking out of a milk carton. Shouldn't have been drinking out of the milk carton. That's true. Felt so bad for that guy, too. You know, you know, his name is Xander Barkley, and he in was actually he was amazing. actually in. Uh, okay, so he was also in The and, Walking Dead, oh, and he was oh well, terrible, he's in Gattaca, so, and all all you know, it all he comes is my around. In Gattaca. Uh, with that, he what movie? Should have watched out for Wolfie. <laughs> with that, what movie do we have uh, pursuing us tonight, really gentlemen? Dun 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 dun. Okay, anyway, dun 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 dun. I don't know. Uh, relentlessly that pursuing. Works. You're the one who fucked yeah, the I'll script. I, I gotta <laughs> highlight the different changes I need to make. Anyway, tonight we're, we're gonna be tied. <laughs> Blue milk oh, tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Tonight we're gonna be taking a look at Terminator 2: Judgment Day, the 1991 sequel to 1984's Terminator. T2 takes place ten years after the original. In the sequel, a T800 Terminator cyborg is sent back in time to save the life of John Connor the eventual savior of mankind from the updated and murderous Terminator, the T-1000. T-2 stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Robert Patrick, Linda Hamilton, and introduces the world to Edward Furlong as John Connor. The movie has earned an IMDb rating of 8.6 out of 10 and has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 91% with the critics and a damn audience score of 95%, which I think has got to be one of our highest ratings in, uh, in recent movie choices uh as with every review we give we try to pair our selection with the cocktail that we feel enhances the viewing experience and why don't you take us through the cocktail that we've chosen for this film uh this evening no problemo um tonight we're drinking the hasta la vista baby uh which is just 
our rename take of the adios motherfucker to make this oh. hasta la vista baby yeah i know <laughs> i was reading that too it's like it's kind of the same drink no wonder i'm no wonder i'm tipsy hasta la vista <laughs> motherfucker uh to make this you'll need a half ounce of vodka half ounce of rum not run half ounce of tequila half ounce of gin <laughs> half ounce of blue curacao and two ounces of sweet and sour mitts in a highball with ice. Stir this shitload of booze up and then top it off with Sprite. After you drink two of these, uh, you'll be ready to tell anyone to come with you if they want to live. Come with me if you want to live. Damn. I didn't realize how fucking drink packed this drink is with everything. This is a lot. What is a highball with ice? A highball is a glass. So, it's, it's so oh. a highball is a – that right there, which you have, is a low ball. A highball is the skinny tall one that I that I usually drink out of. Oh, you, it's like, so, so I call it just a double. So that's a, that's a highball. Yeah, a highball, double. Yeah, I mean it's, it, it, it is what it is. But Sean really likes the, high class, the highball sack. You call it a highball. And we wonder why Sean is a cat person. Just saying. Well, because cats are amazing. Listen, Sean, let's talk about the opening sequence. Let's get into uh, this. Yes. Okay. So <clears throat> what my favorite part about a Terminator is, I, I mean, think about this. You're in 1991. You've had 1984's uh, Terminator come out where Arnold Schwarzenegger is the villain of the story. And 1991 comes around and you have the opening sequence where the most incredibly buffed out Arnold Schwarzenegger is back in his globe of brilliance. Shows up naked um, again. And he arrives it. and and you don't know really whether he's the villain or if uh, he is the savior. Digging the shit and out that, of this one. Right yeah. now, I mean that when, when he's in the bar trying to get his clothes, your clothes, give them to me. Um clothes. You forgot to say please. Yeah, you don't you still don't know if he's good or bad. And it reminded me of the original scene, obviously, with the late Bill Paxton. And it, it just kind of it puts a little smile on your face when you when you remember kind of how far these this movie has come. Because this is a what, what I love, Jerry, I'm gonna beat you to it because I know that you're gonna say it. Is that I was reading that that in marketing that they completely hid the fact that that Arnold was the quote unquote good guy. And I think that that's brilliant. And it's, I mean, it's something I don't know if you could do today, but I mean, in 91, you definitely could do. Jared, did I steal it? Were you going to say that? No, what I was going to say is that I was going to talk about the opening sequence, but I do like the fact that Arnold was trying to push supposedly that he's like, Hey, I could play two roles. I could play the good guy and the bad guy. And Cameron was just like, nah, dude. thank God. He <laughs> just stepped through my fucking script. So, fucking asshole. So, you, so we, we, we skipped that part where you see all the straws, right? And you see that. And then yeah. was it Linda? Oh, yeah, sorry. Linda? Was she, sorry. No, that's fine. Was she, was she saying something or was somebody saying something? Yeah, she, the she's narrating the just, thing. Shows 2029, which made me real kind happy of scary. with the time. <laughs> well, it kind of it kind of gives you it kind of gives you like the opening, right, Ed? So you're right. It's it's Lynn Hamilton, and she basically says that in 229, 2029, Skynet has taken over. The machines have risen, and John Connor is the sole leader of the resistance. Yes. They tried to send back a Terminator in 1984 to kill him before he was born, and now Skynet has sent another Terminator back in time to kill him when he's just a small boy. T-1000. And the, well, we don't know that. Oh, yeah. We don't know Officially, that yet. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then John Connor, they say the Resistance has managed to send back a, a protector of their own 
to try and protect John Connor from Skynet. I've never listened to it, but that's a big part of this. I listened to it this time. Usually I just skip right through and, you know, you see Arnold, you know, trying to find clothes. But as you listen to it, it's like, oh, it does explain the whole premise of the movie a little bit right there. (laughs) Well, I mean, the title kind of like, you know, pretty much like tells it all. It's like, hey, it's not Terminator 2. It's Terminator 2. There's two of them. So, I mean, they're just like, you know, oh, okay, look at that. But I, I like the opening sequence. I don't know why, but I just thought it was like totally pushing away from the original one. And we're going to like, you know, show some crazy effects, crazy designs. And it just looks fucking badass. First one, like you don't really get it. You don't get like a big, well, big type Stan of action Winston, sequence. Stan Winston you know? said it best. He said the first one they tried. The second one they yeah. did. Oh, exactly. The first one, exactly. they tried to make these machines. And the second one, he was like, holy shit, I can actually make these machines do shit. <laughs> like, it was a totally different world. And I just love the <laughs> opening credits where it's just like Terminator 2 and it has the fucking fire of like the apocalypse, you know, and you yeah. see everything burnt down. Brad Fidel's music. Yeah, exactly. And then you have like the playground being burnt and you see like the four like four horses referencing like the four horsemen and everything like that. It's pretty badass, dude. It gives me chills just thinking of the music with that scene and everything and going into like the both tournaments and stuff like that. What I, what I like to think is this it resets and restages this this series into kind of a different type of movie. So the first I, I Brand, I know you didn't like the first one. We mm-hmm. reviewed the first one. Um I, it was one of my favorite, you know, action movies. I know it has a lot of flaws in it, but that movie is freaking awesome. This movie kind of went, okay, we're going to give you that movie, and then we're going to kind of double down on everything that you liked from that movie and take out all the shit you didn't and make characters that are com- a story that is way more compelling. And and to mm-hmm. me, you know, James Cameron is famous for saying he would never have made a second one if he didn't have a story that was that was better yeah. than the first. And I think so I, I want to just I want to take on that one because you're right. I, I did not like the Term- Terminator one. I thought I was felt left down, let down with that one with this one. I, I, I feel I like they, they took Terminator one and, and in a lot of ways they just redid it, but redid it like you were saying in a, in a better way. Um, what I liked about this one and, I don't know if I'm like this normally, but what I liked about this one is that you don't really need to see the first one to watch the second one and enjoy the second one. I feel like I could have come straight into T2 and, and and granted there's been, you know, 30 years of, or almost 40 years, Jesus, uh, almost 40 years of, of time where I've, I've heard the, you know, the cultural references and everything to turn, you know, Arnold being the Terminator and Terminator one. But at the same time, you can sit down, you can enjoy T2 without any understanding of what happened in T1, right? And I, I really like that. And um, yeah, you're talking about the right. fucking visual effects on this one. It's funny. I Just literally this morning or this uh, this evening, um, I was talking to Amanda about visual effects and talking about Star Wars and why Star Wars is so fucking important and then why Matrix is so fucking important. And I skipped over this one and I should have mentioned this one because I feel like we, we can't be talking about the transition from Star Wars to the Matrix without oh, yeah, talking right. about T2 and what Stan Winston did and what we see, not just in visual effects, practical visual effects, but also the, 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 uh, the computer-based visual effects, the CGI. And I'll piggyback on what you're saying about the effects here. I mean, I think they hold up to yes. even now, 30-plus years later. We just recently saw The Flash uh, on demand, and the effects on that was Trash. dog shit yeah. to the point where like this movie 30 years ago – totally 10 times was way better than the flash and it just holds up man 
the visuals, it's just it, the, the the whole look to it. I'm going to piggyback one more time. And what what I think is brilliant about this movie, and, and forgive me if I if I'm gushing, but <laughs> to me, the clarity of this movie, the the precision, like the camera clarity is so crisp. It is so beautiful. Even on Netflix, the camera clarity is so crisp that it's so easy to have shitty special yeah. effects because everything else is super crisp. Yeah. I mean, obviously there are a little the effects are a little dated, but I will say this as well. Robert Patrick. Yeah. Robert Patrick? Yeah, Robert that's Patrick. him. Yeah. Robert Patrick delivers a, a performance of oh, a lifetime. Yes, he did. We need to talk and about it. And it, it without that performance, without that performance, the special effects don't work. Agree because if, he was scary it, as we've fuck. seen we've seen other we've seen other Terminator since in Terminator Three Terminator Four Terminator blah 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it doesn't work without this total menacing character of Robert Patrick which I I would desperately want them to bring back uh, if they ever do like another good Terminator movie question do you think that he's one of the top twenty villains of all time. In motion uh, picture, I'm going to take this one. No, I don't think so. But at the same time, I think that, and I, I was hoping that we'd talk about him. Is that his performance? You said performance of a lifetime, Sean. You're absolutely right with this one. He fucking holds the screen, and every time he's on it, he is just he. You're captivated by it. At the same time, and maybe this is just me. I didn't feel a sense of dread and terror when I saw him on the screen. I know I'm probably in the in the minority there, but I wouldn't call him one of the greatest villains. Like when you see I'm just gonna take Hannibal Lecter. I think that Hannibal Lecter has to be one of the greatest villains, if not the greatest villain ever put to screen. And because when I watch that movie, when I watch Silence of the Lambs and I watch him on the screen, I feel uncomfortable. Right? When Robert Patrick's on the screen, I don't feel uncomfortable. And I think that that's maybe because of the action oriented aspect of it but I, I would say that he's i mean he's, he's definitely top 50 but i wouldn't say top 20 sean tell me i'm wrong so really? I'm, not okay. say, I'm not no i'm not i'm not gonna say you're wrong at top 20 but i say you're wrong when you don't have mm, dread yeah. when you see him when they're in the mental when they're in the mental asylum that's true and he's coming at them and arnold is tr- protecting them and he's running down the hall, and then he's got his knives that come out, and that he comes down through the elevator, um, yeah, the elevator, yeah, and then he comes, but then he comes in, and he's running, and the car can't catch up because he's running so fast, and then he gets onto the yeah. car, the hood, and it's like yeah. you've got, you've got this series of you've got this series of <laughs> scenes where I believe like. I thought I legitimately thought Robert Pattinson or Rob Pattinson, <sighs> easy, Robert Pattinson easy. Uh, could have could have caught them. Yes. Like and that to me is that that to me is the mark of a good villain is when this motherfucker, it, he is going to get yeah. him. Like I felt like he's vastly superior to the team. Well, argued, Sean. there's no weakness to him. It seemed like he there was really no weakness. Like you, you saw right away like, oh, this guy is like better than the Terminator. Like you knew right away is like, okay, like this guy, he can go right through the bars and he killed the, the, the foster parents, the way, he, I mean, he's very he killed fucking everyone. Yeah. He killed everyone. He almost, he, that guy in his way, um, besides Tim, uh, but he <laughs> tossed him right away. Uh, so I agree with Jeremiah. Like, I want to say, if anything, I think he's top 15. I think he's around. He's there. He's terrifying. Yeah. He doesn't say a word, practically any words besides a few here and there, but he's very, very calm and very like a psychopath. Yeah. It was weird. Like weird. Ah, you guys are talking me into a round of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's two things here. I mean, 
you talk about fast they had actually not once but like you know reshoot the scene where like uh edward furlong's character john connor is riding the motorcycle he literally caught up to him he's so fast in real life that he literally caught up to him to the point where like okay we have to actually cut that over again and do that shot again because he's pretty fast out there but what i really like about robert patrick's character in this movie is that in the beginning of the movie he doesn't act like a machine you think he's actually like a real human trying to find john carner you know he doesn't have like the whole like visual like what arnold schwarzenegger has like no you know yeah the moment that he finds john he's a shark yo he's looking for blood he doesn't even close his eyes his eyes are wide open like you know i'm on to you i'm gonna get you he never blinks at once in this movie it seems like um i would i would i would agree with that and and that does create a terrifying kind of villain so I, I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about the paradoxes yes. about time travel, um, because I think that there are so many movies out there that try to touch on time travel and don't do it properly. I think this movie, and, and forgive me if, if I'm, I'm wrong, you know, tell me I'm a piece of shit, but I think this is one of the greatest time travel paradoxes that you possibly exactly. can create on film it works and the reason it works is because you have these compelling fucking characters that almost you're in a loop with and you can and you can change them out so uh brandon get your hand up let's let's no no, you're not you're not wrong um i think that that i think that we're all kind of whores to to time travel movies i mean i i know we've talked about in the past that we who doesn't love a good time travel movie and i'm going from back to the future to to this one to you know there's so many but one of the things that I I'm watching the the first half of the movie, and there you know you start learning a little bit more about Dyson, and you and literally all I'm saying is why are we trying to protect John Connor? We don't even need to worry about John Connor. And I'm like, this is a major flaw. This is the stupidest thing. I was getting pissed, right? And all of a sudden they're like, we need to go kill D- Dyson. I'm like, thank God, Linda Hamilton, Sarah, you you know what you're doing. It answered an issue that I think was was needing to be addressed. Now that being said, I am I but but, but then I'm. But therein lies the paradox. Therein lies the paradox. I know because it's the grandfather paradox, right? Which, if you know that, it's if you go back to kill your own grandfather, then you couldn't actually go back to kill your own grandfather because you would never exist in the first place. No, not 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 that. It's that Miles Dyson and Skynet exists because the chip and the hand from the first Terminator made it into the second Terminator. So Miles Dyson was just a pawn in the grand scheme of of Skynet. He, he wasn't special. The hand and the chip right. was special. And so Terminator one created, created Skynet's ability essentially to create a Terminator because without the hand and the chip, Skynet doesn't create mm-hmm. Terminator. They don't, they don't end the world and they don't send the Terminator right. back in time. So really it is the past predicate that creates the new reality. And I think that right there is one of the most fucking fascinating things. But wait, no, but you're wrong though. It's the future that creates the past that creates the future, right? Which is, but but, you know, I get what you're saying. So let me ask you something now. Let's jump into the end of the movie. The arm, when Arnold Schwarzenegger gets damaged, he loses his left arm. There's still a part. There's still a piece. There's still a part that they did not burn. So let me ask something. Do they survive it? Does it keep going on a fucking loop that we just like this endless? Listen, endless I've seen cycle? one of the many sequels, I mean, and I that's can't my remember question it. to you guys. 
it's that final destination. Like it's going to happen either way. Mm-hmm. It creates its own timeline, but the, the ending part is still going to happen. And the whole idea is John Connor is still going to be the person to end it. It uh. seems like, so no matter what, it still has to go to this paradox. One way is like, Oh, well, we have to go back, you know, part one to, to kill John Connor's mom, you know, when she was a but baby. she was always going to survive. Think about it, if that never happened, it's still the Terminator is lost. Then, or, uh, realistically, then the Terminator is lost. Is then that means John Connor were the one. And either way, that means also the Terminators existed. I, I hate to I hate to be a, 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 a one of these people, but I liked Terminator Three. I did not like Nick Stahl. I did not like that they killed off Lynn Hamilton. I don't like a lot of things from Terminator Three. Was that was a, vet, the story, was a veterinarian in there somewhere? Yeah, that was, uh, was Claire Danes. Claire Danes. Yeah. I remember. It was do- it was dog shit. But the story was perfect and it was a perfect ending and i wish that linda hamilton had come back and they had just done it right because here's what happened in terminator 3 is that judgment day was just prolonged and judgment day is inevitable yes the machines will rise john connor has to save mankind in order to precipitate this big circle of sending a terminator back in time to protect him as a little kid because if not skynet would just do it yeah. so i think that I think this is time travel. Once again, time travel at its best. Time travel is at its best when it is inevitable, when you cannot change what has been set forth. But I love when they can alter small details to change it in a way that it might benefit them. So small changes, good, big major changes of deaths. You can't do. So are there multiple timelines? Are you saying no one timeline, one time things move on the timeline. Either way. Right. It just adjusts. It shifted forward and Judgment Day became and actually in Terminator Three we see Judgment Day. We see uh the falling of that the missiles. That was a good scene. I remember that Sky, scene. Yeah, have you guys watched the theatrical version or have you guys watched the director's cut version? I, I watched movie? the Netflix There's version. Both. version. I, I've seen both, yeah. So that was a theatrical version. There's only two differences or three differences. So it's not Blade Runner, is what you're saying. You want to point them out? No, it's not the final cut. It's not the final, final, final cut. (laughs) It doesn't change it. They removed the narration on it. (laughs) No, uh, (laughs) Kyle Reese, Michael Bean shows up as a figure. Or something in when she's in the hospital. I, or, I wish I'd and, have that. You know, good. telling her like you that have to be good. strong. Feet, you have soldier, to be. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was. It was really fucking cool. And then you got to see another one where the T one thousand. He goes to John's room, and he kind of figures out you know what what John Connor is, and he finds out where the mom is staying. But the most important thing is the all the different ending. You see Sarah Connor as an old little lady watching John next to the Capitol. I guess he's like a fucking senator or some shit like that. But I'm kind of glad that they removed that because it leaves like kind of like an unknown direction where the movie is going to be ending. You know what I'm saying? Terminator 2 served it up on the good platter. Yeah. And it just like it could it, it, it could have been so many different. Well, ways. this ending mirrored the first ending. I like right? the Terminator 1. They, they, it's about she gets in the Jeep, right? And she goes drive off to the mountains and the hills. And this one was the exact same thing, right? You got the, the image of the road and they're going on the road and you got the, the voiceover. Um, I think that this was Eddie's right. This is sequel bait, 100%. And I know that uh, anybody who told James Cameron to rewrite or to change the ending or his thoughts on it was simply for T3, T4, and and so on. Right. And 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 this this uh, this 
franchise has suffered from multiple directors, multiple stories, multiple people thinking that they could do it. And quite frankly, uh, bad casting, bad casting over and over and over again. We Let's need to talk, talk about, about casting. casting because I think Brandon, oh, you got I something do. to say about Edward I've got Furlong two things to say. And the, uh, the casting of, I need John to say Connor. two things and I need to get this off my chest. Uh, I remember as a little kid, uh, watching the last action hero. And I thought, God damn, Arnold Schwarzenegger can, can act. And I remember loving him in that movie. And whether he can act or not, I don't know. But he, I, he was just such a likable character. Then you see T2 and you see him embodying the same, I don't know, joy of just being on screen. I loved watching Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie. It just made me smile. Every time he came on, he, he was kind of doing it. I don't say tongue in cheek, but he was he was just relaxed. He wasn't trying to be something that he you know shouldn't have been. I loved the the moments. It was in I love the moments of of yeah, just just kind of relaxation when they're talking about you know different catchphrases and and you know uh, hasta la vista baby, all that stuff. I loved watching Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie. Now that being said, and my score is going to reflect this. Edward Furlong should never have been cast in this movie. He and, and I, I know that he had to dub in his Ooh. lines again because his voice broke and it took so long. I get Ooh. all of the reasons why he sucks. At the same time, James Cameron, who had at that point influence over anything and everything. I mean, he's a true auteur. If you don't know that word, we can talk about it later. He is brilliant in what he does. And he is such a, a, a stickler for perfection that the fact that he cast and allowed G- uh, Edward Furlong to get cast in this role and for Edward Furlong to drop the ball so many times in his acting was to me a, a disservice to a very, very good movie. So I I don't like that he's supposedly 10. I didn't like that idea. It just made me realize I was like, okay, this this he's more like 13. Okay, he's a little bit bigger. Like 10 made it seem... That's what we I, almost I, I have ten year olds. Like, that made it seem a little unbelievable. Right. I was like, "Yeah, I almost have a ten year old, and he would shit his pants <laughs> every fucking second if uh-huh. anyone comes uh-huh. at him this way." Like, that's the only thing. Was like, "There's no, he's not driving a motorcycle and and uh, heisting the bank for three hundred dollars." Like, all that's way too high tech for a ten year old. And I have to agree with that. Like, I but I do like Edward as the character. Like, but he was says like teeny changes age a little bit. Can you make it seem like he's fourteen or fifteen? He was really ten years old in this movie. He was supposed to. They said he was ten years old. Yeah, ten. So, so I'm going to piggyback off of what both of you were saying, uh, and I'm going to ask. Start with a question: Was it as bad as Jake Lloyd in Phantom Menace? At times, I'm going to say yes. At times, not throughout the entire thing, but honestly, when Edward Furlong would get especially when he got excited oh my god and his voice would just be like it it really it really made me kind of shake my head and go god damn this is hurting i'm not gonna say ruining but this is hurting a near flawless movie oh you guys are crazy man i thought he was actually pretty good in this movie man because i i have i have a different perspective i think he was great in a couple of scenes when he had to like stop and reflect i think he was he showed River Phoenix like tendencies. I thought he had some some that real hurts. gravitas on screen. And then I also think that he he was terrible in yeah. other scenes. Like not just bad, but like t- like I'm like good god, man. Yeah. Rain yeah. it in. Like like dial no, it back a little bit. Yeah. And and so I felt like his it was uneven performance and, and this is the problem. So this was his first movie. I'm yeah. going to give him a slight 
some grace, but I do think. But can you that give James Cameron grace? Where he's gone, if he. That's the question. Yes. James Cameron was probably so focused on the story and the CGI and the script that he didn't really even mm. see Edward Furlong. Uh, I thought he was really good in this movie. I mean, he has to hold up. Uh, you know, he has to play John Connor, you know, and. Uh, I didn't mind him, like, you know, being like this rebel kid and everything, you know, because, you know, in the 90s, we just were raised differently, you know. Well, I'm saying that we were stealing shit, but it was a little different, you know, time back in the day and shit, dude. Yeah. You're raised different, I'm huh? Just saying. No, like, I'm saying we, you, weren't, you, weren't, you weren't stealing shit? At 10 years old, bro, we were doing any of this, anything that he was doing. Yo, dude, if I saw 20 bucks, I, I would steal 20 bucks. If I saw was, candy, I would steal candy, dude. He was, in, he was good in Detroit Rock City. So, I remember that. It, anyway, yeah. But anyways, what uh, I'm saying is is that, you know, I think he held his own. I think that you're expecting too much for a person that's their very first movie. I don't think Brandon's criticism is not the character. necessarily with, with Edward Furlong so much as James Correct. Cameron casting and allowing that in his movie. And I, I will yeah. say... Another James Cameron allowed uh, James Cameron allowed Bill Bill Paxton <laughs> in in his movies and he is he it's was very a terrible. Uh, that is horrible, <laughs> dude. Bill Paxton is a God, fucking God treasure. I <laughs> hate when you say that. He's a fucking great actor. If anyone's out there uh, questioning my 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 uh, categorization of Bill Paxton's acting God. chops, all you have to go see is Aliens, the second Alien movie, oh. and then you'll know. Bullshit. How absolutely Bullshit. terrible. He was so scared, so bro. He is so fucking awesome in that movie. He was on meds. Dude, he, he was, was awesome. a legend because of that movie. Don't listen to him, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. He's fucking great in Aliens. <laughs> he was, no, and, and I just want to clarify, Jer, I loved and I love continuously um, his character. I love the writing of his character. I'm great. Make him a rebel. Go for it. Go dark. Love it. My problem isn't, uh, yeah, it's not Edward Furlong. I don't want to shit on the, the poor kid because it was his first movie. My problem was the casting director and James Cameron and James Cameron for not saying, let's do that one again. Let me go talk. Let me put my hand on your shoulder and say, that was not a good take. Try it again. Try this. Right. Um, and that was that was my problem. I will say I think he he should have done he should have done the same thing with Linda Hamilton. Yes. yes. Linda Hamilton got buffed and beefed for this movie beautifully. I and I loved her. I first of all I love Linda Hamilton. She's one of my favorite actresses. Um she kicks ass in this movie, but I wish that she, James Cameron had taken her by the shoulder and be like, "Okay, dial it back again. like just just a little bit because you're a little emotional and a little like crazy." And you can still be crazy, but don't be so like, I've got to save my son in every yeah. scene. Like, we get it. There needs He's to be nuance, danger. right? We there needs to be nuance. <laughs> and I agree with you. Yeah. Add a little bit of subtlety to your, to your performance. I think she it played it pretty way. well being like person like, hey, I've seen the future. The world's going to end. Yeah. I'm trying to fuck. No one's not listening to me. And I'm, I'm afraid of my, my son going to get killed and shit. But I'm just going to say Linda Hamilton's transition from I'm scared as the first Terminator to like, holy shit. Badass. She is like Ripley, dude. Pumping up a shotgun with one arm. Yeah. Yeah. Like 10 times full on this movie. And She's pretty when, hardcore. When she escapes, when she escapes the mental facility with, with the, uh, syringe uh-huh. of, of whatever, Detergent. whatever, like, uh, floor cleaner that is. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, this is yeah. badass. Like, I thought that, that Linda Hamilton was fine. And when she goes she to Dyson is when it gets bad. She could have just like, 
Yeah, she she should have ratcheted it back just a, just a little bit. I'm just going to ask you this. This movie has a lot of iconic scenes in this movie. A lot of iconic scenes, man. What is your favorite iconic scene in this movie? Just there's like so many of them. If you had to name one. So like, you know, what is the one scene you're just like you always want to see? Well, there's so many damn chase scenes and, and driving scenes. And normally you guys know me. I'm not a huge like let's just pump up the action and dial back the story. But holy fuck, seeing car chase after car chase after helicopter chase after big rig chase, that was fucking unbelievable. I think one of the things that I loved the most, though, was, and Sean, you said this earlier, the relentlessness of the T-1000. But when he, they are chasing on the, the bridge and the half of the, the, the big rig comes off and it's just like just nonstop pushing at him action you got him uh that's what's on the motorcycle right where he's he's just turning back and just shooting and that whole in the in the aqueduct of la fucking just scene blew me away it blew me away <laughs> on on a on a practical level like the shooting level it blew me away on a story level it blew me away honestly in like a meta level because i'm like sitting there knowing that i'm watching and enjoying this action scene which i don't normally enjoy which is making me enjoy it even more so I would say that chase scene was just fucking perfect. Nice. Eddie. Um, so like feeding off what Brandon's saying, like, you know, there's so many different acts in this movie and so many different scenes that it's not like just an instant scene. It's like you have the motorcycle in the very beginning with, you know, driving around there. It was so, so many different scenes with the hospital, you know, the, it, it, insane and solemn. Uh, and then you're going around with uh, the very end of the movie, which I really personally like uh, how the T-1000 died. I don't know. There's something about that. That whole last with uh, Sarah Connor just unloading, I think, like eight rounds of shotgun. And you, as a kid, I remember watching this. It's like, you got him. You fucking got him. You don't need the fucking Terminator 1. You got it yourself. And then the last one she tried to, and she oh. had him on the ropes. And then he couldn't, he, you had her bullets. And you're just like, But oh, the nitrous God. oxide when he die. freezes like, it? And then out of nowhere, you have. Oh, oh Jesus yes. Christ. Perfect. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. You're right. I mean, the refinery, The once again, once again, the refinery scene went from the first movie where, okay, the Terminator was relentless. It was going through the, the you know, after him and he gets crushed and they were like, okay, now this one's an 11. We're turning it up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> so Is the most iconic scene? scene, the my, most iconic scene in the movie is the fucking <laughs> thumbs up. It is when Arnold is being being dipped in the goddamn uh, <laughs> liquid magma, and he looks up and he delivers, which I think is one of the greatest lines of all time. I know now why you cry, and he puts his hand on Edward Furlong's cheek, and why I think that that line is is equivalent to the go stay. Um, uh, exchange in ET, which oh. is one of my favorite exchanges of all time. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, when 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 ET says go and, and oh god. Anyway, the, that's the type of gravitas that the scene had. And then he goes down into the lava and he puts his thumb up, like, yeah, but I'm going out in style. I'm going out on my own terms. Here we go. So so, Jer, what what you got? Um, two scenes. One, I like the scene when Sarah Connor is going to the elevator and she finally sees the uh, Terminator coming out of the elevator and her pause is panic. so scared shitless. Panic. Yeah. And then he goes up to her and he says the line that Kyle says mm-hmm. to her, come with me if you want to live. And that to me, I'm like, oh, Wait, Jer- Jeremiah, what does he say? What does he say as he says it? Come with me if you want to live. No, 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 no. How does he say it though? Oh, sorry. Come, come with, with me if you want, if you want to, to live. live. Oh, thank you so much. God dang, that's perfect. 
but I honestly thought the 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 cyber like you know war against the, the SWAT team when he's coming out and he's like I'll be back and he literally takes all these bullets and he takes everyone down by shooting them in the leg. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't he kill them because Edward Furlong said don't kill anyone and he's like total death zero. <laughs> I, I thought it was so. I thought it was like such a good scene. I mean, it, it's horrible. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, oh, yeah. he's so being nice. Look at him. He's a nice Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say there, oh, there is the, the Brandon kind of alluded to it earlier. There's a couple of scenes throughout the movie where Edward Furlong and Arnold are bonding and, yes. and, and, um, the desert it's, or at the gas station. But, but, I think. but, but it's in the line that, that Linda Hamilton delivers is oh. flipped from the original movie. Um, she says something to the effect of he'll never hurt John. He'll never turn on him. He'll never betray him. He'll never leave him. And in the first movie, I think Michael Bean might say it is he doesn't care about your feelings. He'll betray you. He'll lie to you. He'll cheat you. He'll do everything he can to kill you. And it was like the, uh, like she's realizing that the Terminator that has been sent back is essentially the embodiment of Michael Bean's character from the first one. He's a, just as good, only he'll never leave. He'll never leave John. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that relationship is beautifully explored in number three. Yeah. Once again, bad casting, Nick Stahl, trash movie. So just wondering. So I'm trying to understand. Yeah. I'm trying to understand this. Kyle Reese is from the future and he travels back. Well, technically, Kyle Reese is from the future. Travels back to the past to 1984. John Connor's mom, and then mates John Connor, and then <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't he have like some type of superpower? Technically, if John Connor, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. <laughs> what if John Connor was like <laughs> technically like I was? I remember I was so it was so hard to understand this when I was a kid. I was like, wait, how is this working? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got I got two things though. One, uh, Sean, Sean, I'm going to throw this out there for your benefit. But if you haven't seen About Time, we're talking about time travel movies. You got to see About Time. That fucking that one is one of the <sighs> top. I would say top five. Sean, would you say top five time travel movies? Top three. Top, top three. three. Okay, I agree. that's with Bill, Bill Nye, right? Yeah, yeah. Bill oh, Nye and oh, Dominic, God, um, yeah. and then Gleason. Oh, Gleason. I cried my yeah. eyes out with that fucking movie. Jeez, Who that is one of my best. God. And it was a movie. So, what's brilliant about that movie is that it it lulls you into, oh, I'm just a comedy. I'm just a funny movie with, and nope. then all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're gonna just we're gonna fuck your we're brain tear right your now. Heart out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I want to go back real quick, Sean, to something you said and, and talking about this relationship, the father figure that that uh, the Terminator, I guess, um, plays from. And it, it's so cliche, but at the same time, I think more than anything, we see the Terminator listen. We see the Terminator listen to John, which is something that I think we haven't seen uh, that he's never had before. And I think that it's it's just kind of a a powerful moment and message to people is that if we just stop and listen to the other person damn it, how much further could we go in a good way? And I know the same is kind of preachy and getting on, on a soapbox, but I loved, it. I loved those moments. I love those moments of, of peace and quiet within the fucking chaos of everything going around. Well, and he has this great line. You know, if I'm gonna, supposed to be this great leader, why doesn't anyone let me leading? Like, if I'm, I'm going to be this great, great military leader, listen to me. And that's exactly what you're yeah. saying is listening, yeah. listening, listening, listening. If more people yeah. listened, we'd have a better world. And stay away from Skynet. <laughs> it's a message in this movie. 
Stay I, with I, me, I. I want to do. I do want to end with this. When asked if uh, AI, if he was worried about AI taking over the world, uh, <laughs> James Cameron says, "No." <laughs> really? <laughs> no, he's not worried. Not worried. Wrote the greatest trilogy about machines taking over the world, but has zero problem with it in real life. <laughs> Just no consideration, <laughs> no concern. Uh, no, sir. We're good. I actually like what he said. He's like, didn't I try to warn you guys? <laughs> Literally try to warn you, fucking guys. Fucking have a nice shit burger. <laughs> that brings us to the end of a review. Now it's time of the podcast where each of the hosts provides a score on the following scale. Tim, the savior of mankind, can you provide our list, please? We need to bring him back with John. And John's like, hey, what happened to you? It's like, what happened to you, bro? I thought that drop got you. Um, all right, zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. Uh, one, a Fildred first cocktail. Two, a happy buzz. Three, you're going to Uber lifting home. Four, a rough morning watch of shame. Five, blackout, shit face, spring break, spring break drunk. Gentlemen, let's start with, I'll go first. So, uh, this movie, oh, very special, uh, in, in a lot of ways that I just remember my childhood experiences watching this movie over and over and over again. This one, T2 was the, the movie that I liked out of all the Terminators. T2 goes somewhere where the, I think the Terminator 1 never had time to go to. And that's a huge part of what I think makes Judgment Day so special to me. It opened up the doors to time travel. And it, it just holds so much uh, with the, the action sequence. I, I, I love the, the music. You know, the, the very end, I always get a little teary-eyed when uh, you have that those moments of he's saying bye to his friend and, you know, and, and John Connor knows he has to let them go. Um, but he knows, you know, what he learned so many different lessons just with this amount of time. Uh, I almost wish the acting of like stand by me, if that made sense, was in here somehow. I like that stand by me of acting. Obviously, you can't have uh, River Phoenix well, in this movie because the, uh, the, the timeline does match up. But, you know, that same type of style of those kids, they were acting at that young age with those four, four kids. Um, but, I personally think this is a, a fantastic movie. It's by far one of the greats out there. Uh, there's very little uh, to say wrong about this movie. I think we maybe barely touched on it. Uh, I think this is a half a shot. So a 0.25. Very good. Hey, Jeremy. I remember this movie just being a very, like Eddie said, a very big influence in our childhood. Like this was the VHS that you couldn't wait to buy. And when you had it in your house, you religiously watched it. You know, you had your favorite parts. It was one of those movies that you couldn't wait to see and you couldn't wait to see with your family. And you couldn't wait to see your friends because you were seeing something different. Years, years and years and years later, man, I still think this movie holds up. I think it's one of the best action movies that you will ever see. I think it's one of the best sequels that you will ever see. Um, visually, I think it was a heavy game. If you don't have this movie, you don't have a lot of the cool things that we have now to this day i thought the the acting was pretty badass you know i like arnold robert patrick i think he stole the fucking movie in this this film dude but i think the really big thing about that is the father theme in this movie man i in watching this as an adult it was fucking heartbreaking because the thing was is that 
he's never going to leave him. He's never, he's always going to be there and he will die to protect him. It's like the same thing that we would do for our kids, our, our nieces and nephews, you know, that we would do whatever we need to do to sacrifice ourselves for our kids. And I think that holds a big fucking different element to the whole movie. You need to watch this. It still holds up. It's almost a perfect movie. Not quite there yet, but you know what? Maybe 10 years from now, it will be a perfect movie. So this is a, a shot <laughs> of a movie for me here, guys. Point two so five. What? Wait, 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5. Okay. He's a shot. So, uh, my my memory uh, and and knowledge of the Terminator, Terminator, Jesus Christ, um, the Terminator franchise uh, was was pretty much unknown, right? I, I mean, I know we did Terminator one a while back, and that was my first time seeing that movie. I'd heard about it, known about it, you know, as a as a movie lover, I always hated myself for not having seen it. And I was so happy that this podcast forced me to see it because I really did enjoy seeing it. Same thing with T2 is that I knew that as a movie that I needed to see and I hadn't seen and I hated myself for it. And so thank you guys for pushing me into watching this. Um, I remember you guys remember uh, back in the day when you were poor and uh, HBO gave their free HBO weekends. Remember that? And you got HBO for like a weekend. And you, <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, so and I you remember. Get, you're hoping to see that movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I remember that Terminator HBO Two. Now you still yeah, have HBO, Brandon. It's actually Max right now, so let's call it for what it is, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, so I'm watching. I turn on the TV and I turn it over to HBO Free Weekend, and Terminator Two is on. And I'm, you know, I was probably eight or nine at the time, and it was the milk scene, which is the one that sticks out in my mind, which is why we threw uh, that little in there. And I remember thinking, "Holy fuck, what did I just see?" The next day, I turn it on, right? Same thing. Just trying to see what's on HBO. And it's the everybody's getting melted on the playground because it's her vision. And that was my two introductions to Terminator 2. And I remember those were like it, – it's, it's not the right word, but it, it, scarring is not the right word. But those moments stuck with me. And so that's what I always thought of with T2. Then when you step back and you watch it, and, and when I watch it, I realized that number one – it is completely just pure action. Well, but what every, this no, movie it's, did. It's everything you hate. It's everything that I hate, right? <laughs> Besides time travel. I do love time travel. Um, but but god damn it, this is time travel, this is action, this is violence, this is shoot 'em up. It, it's similar in a way to to Matrix. This is these genre elements done correctly, right? And I think that that you cannot disparage what James Cameron can do behind a camera. I hate Avatar. We've already established I hate Avatar. But God damn it, is that not one of the most beautiful shot movies in in film history? Um, T2 is brilliant. It is very, very far from perfect because of two elements or one element, I guess. And that's, that's the acting. And I would also extend that into the directing. I feel like James Cameron and Sean, I think you said it perfectly. He was so worried about other things. And uh, you know, we didn't even talk about the, the production issues with getting pushed back and delayed and, and, you know, inflating the amount of money that was going in from the, the companies and everything. He was so focused on the business aspect of it that he forgot to, to worry about one of the most integral and, and essential elements, and that's the acting. Edward Furlong, I think that he was miscast, but more than anything, he was misdirected. I agree with you, Sean, because I didn't really think of it until you mentioned it, but Linda Hamilton, same thing. She was misdirected, and I wish that those had been remedied because this could have easily been a zero movie for me. Um, because of those two miscues, uh, it's not a feel-good first cocktail, so it's not a one, um, but I'm going to give it a .74 just to piss 
Jeremiah off. Uh, I want this movie to be in its own category. So I'm going to say 0.74. Um, and, and again, it, that comes down to simply acting and directing of the actors. So 0.74, 0.74. for me, Sean, go ahead and round us out. Yeah. One, so, did you say um, 1.74? Did I get that right? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. 0.74. 0.74. I'm going to disagree mm-hmm. with you on the, on the realm of acting in one in one instance. And I believe the instance is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, if you look at the pantheon of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, I think you alluded to this earlier. Uh, he was at his absolute tip top best he was relaxed on camera he he was absolutely phenomenal you cannot say that he is any other actor he is him and as far as his movies are concerned and his performances are concerned this is his his piece de resistance it is the greatest piece of of film work he has done he was heartwarming he was action-oriented he looked awesome Physically yeah. looked awesome. He hit his cues. He was uh, intelligible. He, he understood the words that came out of his mouth. Everything was to me with Arnold was absolutely perfect. And, and so Robert for that, Patrick, I, I will say I would have to give you and that Robert too. Patrick. Yeah, and Robert Patrick gave a performance of a lifetime. Um, I, I, I we've talked about Linda Hamilton. We've talked about um, Edward Furlong and how they did detract from the movie. But what really overcomes the movie for me is the story. I think this is probably the greatest time travel story of all time. The concept is fresh, different. It it is action oriented. It's it keeps you at the edge of your seat. It's got an Indiana Jones ish, uh, you know, feel to it where you just can't get enough. It, he just keeps coming. It just keeps moving. Um, the action that's the type of action movie that I like, where there's no room to breathe, and when you breathe, you miss something. And then to cap it off the visuals are as top notch as you could get, could have got for 1991 and i think they hold up today better than pretty much any movie out there this movie to me is i'm going to give it a 0.25 i think this movie is as close to a zero as 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 it can get without touching it um once again action storyline progression and the fact that it's a sequel i think if you look at the great uh pantheon of movies out there you know you got your top five your top 10 movies and this hovers somewhere in the 11th spot of all time in my opinion um if i of my favorite movies of my of my list it's it's somewhere in the 11 range so i think it's just a fantastic film um all right when you uh take our scores and divide by four what does terminator 2 get an average rating of there eduardo Bro, is that a Harry Potter uh, picture behind you? I never noticed that one. Is that new? It's from it's from the um from the play we it's saw in New York. Pl- okay, that's a okay, nice. I, I keep that always to my heart. You should hmm. know this. <laughs> it gives us a point four three five. Zero point four three five. And Jeremiah, on the list of movies that we've reviewed, where does that put Terminator Two Judgment Day? You're welcome for making it its own individual spot. Number six. Number six on our list. Okay. So what what is better? What is better than Terminator 2? Saving Private Ryan is number one as a zero, our perfect movie that we have here. Then it goes Empire Strikes Back, Raiders, Prestige, Top Gun Maverick, Field of Dreams, Jurassic Park, Godfather, all tied up at 0.25. This goes right next to it. Its own place. T2, 0.435. It beat I mean, Frankenstein, which Frankenstein was a 0.4375. Uh, 
Oh, just snuck I mean, right it's in. one of the greatest movies of all time, too. The, the problem is, is that we're mixing these genres, right? So it's like I almost feel like each movie genre should have its own list. It just doesn't. I don't know. It's, for me, it's it's hard to put Terminator Two in the same breath as Godfather, but at the same time, I like them equally as much. They're equally as good movies. It just it just feels sacrilege. It feels like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, I think you're giving it not really the benefit of the doubt. You have one of the best war movies. We have Empire Strikes Back, one of the best science fiction movies. Raiders is one of the best action movies. The Prestige is a great science fiction movie. And then you got Jurassic Park, changed fucking what we see, Godfather, and you got T2. I mean, it it all fits perfectly nice next to each it fucking other. fucking works. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it's almost like good that I never gave zero to some the of these system, movies. Trust the system, Sean. God damn it. Trust the system. Eddie. You trust the system. You said that perfect time right when I said my perfect time. Thank you, Brandon. The fact that you won't give a zero is is That's, it, that it makes, list, it flaws no, it the does, system. No, it does not flaw it the system. Flaws the it system. does not flaw the system. That is that eliminating. I don't want to be on Eddie's side. Perfect. When that list I don't want to be on Eddie's side, but he did give a zero to save Private Ryan. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I think he did it for uh, Sound of Music too. Just no, so you know. no, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> Music. he missed out on Indiana Jones. That's all I'm saying. I did it for different. Yeah, that was the one Empire. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did give a zero to Perks while Perks being a wildflower. I think that's, that's, that's a zero movie. I think that movie is, is way underrated. <laughs> I love it. All right, if you enjoyed our review, or fan of the podcast, we ask you please subscribe wherever you're listening and give us a five star review on iTunes. <clears throat> you can find us on Instagram at the dot gentleman podcast. The dot means a lot. You can uh, find us by email at hosts with an S H O S T S at the gentleman podcast.com. And you can see us there also online. Uh, I just want to take a moment to uh, say that we've had some incredible growth this season. Season four, we've tried to bring you uh, weekly episodes and thus far into uh in, into the year, we have succeeded. We are very excited about a couple of upcoming projects that we hope you'll dive into. And we really appreciate every listener, uh, every referral, every time anyone says, Hey, tell your, you know, oh, hey, this is a good podcast. Tell your, tell your brother, tell your sister, tell your friend, tell your grandma. So I just wanted to thank you. We all. also listen Agreed. to all your times you write to us also. So all those nice things you say about all of us. Thank you. All of us had listeners. Thank you so much because man, it is awesome that you bring us into your life and we're just like talking about movies, having a few drinks and just shooting the shit. And you know, you're a part of our family. So that's pretty fucking awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you for just sharing. Even if you share with one person, dude, you have no idea how much it means to us. So thank you. Uh, here, with here. that, uh, cheers gentlemen. And we will see you next week. Oh, wait, Jeremiah, Clink. what, uh, what do we, what do we got next? It's either going to be my movie or, or Eddie's movie. So I don't know what Eddie wants to do, but I'm pretty <coughs> sure it's going to be great. You know me, Sean. It's going to be something from the 80s and shit. You know? <laughs> well, I'll probably do something from the 80s. I just think Hashtag it's hilarious. John so for, for all of you who are, are not really uh, listeners consistently, um, Jeremiah's pick is always – so at the beginning of the season, we always, we always make our own picks. Every host makes 12 picks or whatever, and <laughs> Jeremiah's are always TBD, 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 TBD. <laughs> and so the week, the week that comes, he's like, oh, I'm really struggling here. It's like, yeah. So many movies I watched we that we never did. <laughs> Let's put it this way, <laughs> listeners. I, I, I have my collection, but I also kind of wait to see if it's coming in through our streaming devices. So it's a lot. All he cares about is it's in the theater. Flawed. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most of my selection go to the movie theaters. Like every time you hear a movie theater movie, 
That was my movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, and, uh, and cheers, gentlemen. We'll see you in a week. Cheers. No fate. Cheers. The full thing is no fate, but what we make. For I think that was a really good episode. You guys, you guys did well.